Podcast with Kathy, Mark, and Burke talking about movies, horror, sci-fi, unusual, unknown, forgotten, underappreciated, always interesting. Sometimes we get viewer mail, or not viewer mail, listener mail. (laughs) We get viewer mail sometimes. (laughs) There's one guy looking through the window. I don't know what they're looking at. He's this is one creep. Mail (laughs) from from somebody who says, I am watching you. (laughs) From our stalkers. We ignore him. (laughs) But we do get mail, honest, we do. We get lots of it, a whole lot of it. Anyway, one of them that we got had a really good suggestion. Mark, mm-hmm. do you, do you I'm have gonna read that it. email? I'm going to read the email. It. It's a really nice email. Yeah, it's from Tammy Francini, and she writes, Hello, Mark, you are incredible. No, that's not it. I didn't it, see that no, one. No, that's not, no. <laughs> scratch that. No. Hello, I really enjoy your podcast, and I have tons of films in mind, but I'll start here. Forgive me if you've done these before. I've listened to most, but not all of your episodes. Anyway, have you seen Colossal or Time Crimes by Nacho Vigalando? Especially Time Crimes. Really great movie that I think you guys would like. Take care, Tammy. P.S. And I love the Stephen King countdown. So fun. Cool. I love our Stephen King countdown also. Yeah. We we're covered do, a lot of ground in that. We're planning another one, too. We're going to do another episode of Stephen King episode, right? We're going to just... Mm-hmm. We want to do that three-hour uh, Maximum Overdrive episode. Yeah. <laughs> we'll you can't to... say enough about that movie. <laughs> we talk about every single truck, the Kenilworths, the Peterbilts. All the Easter eggs and <laughs> the layers the... of co- social commentary. Stephen King's top 10 favorite brand of truck. <laughs> <laughs> I think and Stephen King would like the Cybertruck. I, I like am. the Cybertruck. Yeah, I think he, it's cool. Yeah, I agree. I like its coolness and its weirdness. Yeah, it's weird. Very Pontiac Aztec or something. <laughs> But anyway, Tammy, thank you for sending that in. And uh, by the way, any listener out there, please send those, keep sending those in. And you may be lucky enough to actually have an episode done based on your email. Like and then we'll read your name out. Exactly. Like How we just, cool. Like Thanks, we, Tammy. Your payment is exposure. <laughs> yeah, you get your name out there. Everybody wants some validation. But, but this is a really great one because yeah. these are, he's done some really interesting films. So we're actually going to go one up on that and just cover a few of his films. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, uh, again, his name is Nacho Vigalando. He's a Spanish filmmaker from Spain. And he's done tons. He's from Spain? He's Spanish and he's from Spain? As opposed to Spanish from Mexico or, you know, <laughs> or any of the else. other Spanish countries. <laughs> um, Spanish but Harlem. He is. You know, has quite the IMDb. He's got like over 150 yeah. titles that he's been involved in as a writer, actor, or director. But we're going to concentrate on the films that he actually directed. And three, the three that we're going to talk about are first, Time Crimes, which came out in 2007. That's a Spanish-language film. Then Colossal, which was an English film that was made here in 2016, starring Anne Hathaway and uh, Jason Sudeikis. Uh, and... His last one was, is an episode of the Hulu series Into the Dark, and it was called Puka, which was last year's 2018's Christmas That was episode. a standout. It got a lot of publicity because it was an especially great one. Right, right. So those are the three that we're going to talk about today. And do you want to start just to do this chron- chronologically? In reverse? No, what? I mean, Wait, yeah. that's like seeing the alphabet backwards. <laughs> we can start with, yeah, let's start with time crimes. So, um, well, you know, it... It's a it's a it's a time travel piece and it's a low budget film, um, and I like that about it because it's sort of a very simple story of just a few characters in sort of an isolated setting. It's sort of in the woods and a house and a, and a science 
science laboratory, a laboratory kind of that's kind of behind the house, and that's kind of and it's just a few characters. And, and we're going to do story. spoilers, right? Because this is a movie that you can spoiler. You have to if you start yeah. once you, you start talking to. about it. Yeah. You start. Spoiling. I mean, we don't have to go to the very end, but we can describe some basic concepts that start happening pretty quickly. It's just it kind of builds to an ending. But if you, if you like time travel movies that you sort of have to think about and you need to think about again and again, and sort of like Primer, this was. is a very Primer or sort of like Predestination, you know, the Ethan Hawke film that came that out was about really 10 good. years ago. Yeah. So it's one of those where it, you have to pay attention because it, it, things start to overlap and there are multiple characters, and you have to sort of know what's you know if you follow it and a good film, you, you'll be able to follow it fairly easily, even though it can get complicated. So, um, but anytime you go back in time and you start messing with things, you got to fix it. And then you have to go back in time again to fix it. You know, it's those kind of problems, those sort of dilemmas. And also one thing it addresses that I thought was really interesting is the fact that people, I mean, people don't really in time travel movies, Primer did, but a lot of time travel movies don't address the problem of if you go back in time an hour, you're creating a duplicate of yourself. Yeah, who who was there? And like, say, an hour ago, you were cooking dinner in the kitchen. So you go back in time an hour. You're going to look over in the kitchen, and there you are over there, right. cooking in the kitchen. And that's what happens in this film. Yeah, I mean, basically, he eh, spoilers. Yeah, yeah. Basically, he 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 sees something in the woods. I'm going into the whole story, but he goes and and goes into this weird science lab, and he's nervous because somebody in a band, you know, that's chasing after him with scissors. And he's bandaged up and bloodied. And he's like, what's going on here? And there's a guy at the science lab. And he says, you know, here, hide in this thing. This and weird he's sort of cir- acting weird. Like- yeah. It's this weird sort of circular thing with this white liquid in it. And just get in there. You know, he won't see you. Well, you'll hide in there and they'll take care of it. And he does that. But what he really gets into this is this is a time machine. And he travels back about an hour and a half or two hours. Yeah. And that's kind of where the story goes. And it kind of obviously goes from there. Um, I like the fact that it was sort of contained and small, and there's some really cool directorial touches that I liked. There yeah. were some interesting scenes where, like, you know, almost they freeze frame it, and you see something in the corner. I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but there are a lot of things in it that were just sort of like head scratchers for yeah, me. Like, me too. Just weird. Like, what, what was? Give me one thing that you went. There's one. One. I'll tell you the one main thing about the problem with the movie. Even though the movie is fairly smart. Yeah. The main character. Yeah. Is a dipshit yeah <laughs> i'm sorry you know like if if i go if i go back in time an hour and a half and somebody says you know this is what's happening just stay in this room yeah. and you don't move for an hour and a half and everything will go away I, that would be yeah. i would just sit there in a chair but of course yeah. you have no movie right well so i think he's trying to because what he basically witnesses is a crime he sees a woman like Somehow. being attacked with a guy in bandages with a knife right yeah scissors or whatever yeah and so i think he, he his inclination was to go back and maybe stop it from happening but what he does he sort of makes it happen again because there's two of him now and that was my that is one of my major problems with the film is it's like the there's a woman riding her bike down the street this nice lady and she an accident you know he gets into an accident and she stops and helps him she's really sweet and it's sort of mean-spirited this movie i felt like it had mean spirit edge to it because there's really no reason for her to die. Spoiler. There was really no reason for him to attack her either. And like, to I think take her clothes off. Oh, like, spoilers. what was the whole thing about having her clothes taken off? Like, why is she naked in the woods? Yeah. And, and But he had to sort of recreate what he had seen through his binoculars. 
So he had to tell her, okay, you have to take your clothes off and go here and stand here so that it would match what he had already seen through his binoculars. He was trying to recreate what had already happened. But why? But yeah. why? And yeah. <laughs> and why? You know, and what's and the also, motivation to with that? the characterization of this guy? I don't like him after he kill. You know, after the girl dies, this wonderful help in, you know helpful girl who stops and gets off her bike and tries to help him. Well, I think his his part of it was he wanted to he wanted to attack the guy who was doing it. So he kind of, in a way he had to let the events play out, but he wanted to keep her safe. But he, of course it didn't work, but he wanted to get the guy who was going to do the attack. But right. then I didn't understand why he had to sort of replicate, except to kind of lure the guy to the scene in a weird way. And it was sort of strange. Well, see, to me, it's a very smartly made. I feel, I know the, there's a smart filmmaker here. Right. And I think there's a lot of smart stuff going on. Maybe I was thinking, okay, because basically he his name is Hector, and he duplicates himself a second time, and then as you find out, there's a third one, Hector number three out there right. too. And I thought, okay, as as like the second generation of Hector or and the third, they get meaner and uglier and nastier. He gets more and more beat up for sure. He, but he also wants like he goes for me to get back. I have to. These people don't matter to me. I'm going to have to kill people to save myself and to save my wife, who's also in this film. Yeah, that was that, that was a sense, and I kind of get that as maybe a you know a reason for why they he behaves that way. But it doesn't make it pleasant to watch. Yeah, you know, and you sort of lose your you lose your feeling of caring for this guy once he does this terrible thing. You're like. You know, you obviously he's the one who did it originally too. You know, or it's another one of those weird cycling loops. It's like who originally? Why was she originally laying there naked in the woods? Or why did he after he gets into it? Like he 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 gets into this car and he get you know he gets hit. You know, and basically he has a you know big gash on his forehead. Yeah. <laughs> so he takes he has a bandage on his arm because he got uh, stabbed by himself with right. the scissors earlier. <laughs> he takes it off and he puts the bandage all, all over his. All over he turns his into like Claude Rains. You yeah. Know? <laughs> like it was so. It was like. Oh, why is he doing this? Oh, because it's easier to shoot two people fighting right. each other. Because he's a different actor. He's a different actor, and also you cannot know his identity, and yeah. he won't recognize himself. But he himself realizes, oh, if I didn't, wouldn't he realize if I didn't have these bandages, I would recognize myself, <laughs> and therefore collaborate with myself to try to fix the thing. It, it, it to me it was a, it was a lost opportunity. I mean, I I could tell there was some promise in the filmmaker and the and his style is nice and the fact that it was a low budget film, but I just felt like it was a it was a, to me I would describe it as sort of an attempted time travel movie. Didn't work for me. Yeah, I mean, what do you think? I also think the character was so kind of a turnoff that yeah. you lose interest. I mean, I think there's. There's a reason why he made more stuff because there's there's talent in the film. I just feel like the character uh, that they wrote and it was just not a pleasing character. And there's, and just, well, there's some crazy stuff. When you have a things. character like an anti, I say anti hero, but he's not really a hero. When you're seeing the film from the point of view of the person who's sort of the villain, you know, because basically, apparently, because when we first encounter him, he's seeing this event take place. This woman get attacked, which. Already you're, you're aware, oh wait, now there's two. So he's already, this is already him having gone back in time to see this event. We didn't know this at the time. So, <laughs> but um, you have to go, okay, he did this originally to cover up the accident, I assume. And then he had to, 
you know, and he went too far and got, you know, because, I mean, I guess we're assuming because he's kind of an unreliable narrator in a way is that he must be, have homicidal tendencies, Yeah. but he had to cover this up. So his whole thing is about how to cover up the accident. So he tries to make it look like a serial killer did it or something like that. So then he goes back to try and like cover up the cover up and then he's covered then it then it becomes an impeachment trial it was very right. strange um and you but, lose, did you lose the thread i kind of start like you know okay i mean i sort of started losing what was actually happening i mean there were some cool scenes where they sort of over oh there's the car driving by in the background that's i liked yeah. all that but i didn't right. quite i was not following it like i think maybe i should have been following it maybe that's just me getting what a little I, lost I, I think it almost in a way it was sort of like an allegory like um i, I was reading an article i think it was the av club did a review but they they mentioned that it seemed like an allegory for some for someone having an affair, like a, having an adulterous affair, and that they lead these double lives and then mm. maybe these triple lies. So they're doing lies to cover up lies, and so it's kind of mm. like almost like this, this literal like person leading this alternate life to cover up the act from the wife, who then gets caught up in it because you had to, you know. Um, That's interesting. Yeah, I kind of yeah. like that idea of it. That, the the cover up of the cover up of the real person living these alternate lives, and and that imagine if the person who has this dual life, who's having the affair, and then he's the husband at home, that they're actually two people. I like that idea. Yeah, and then you have the third person coming in trying to make it right, or trying to expose or cover it up. Like, there's something to it, but it's so complicated, and he is not sympathetic at all. And it, there was a bit of that thing in there that you know, the the thing that sort of yanks my suspension of disbelief out it's a scene that just i was like ah oh, you know <laughs> where he's being chased by a masked madman with a pair of scissors and he's injured and there's a trail he's talking to somebody on he's talking to the guy on the walkie-talkie and there's a trail between the house that the bad guy is stalking him yeah and there's a trail that goes up to this place where the guy says, come up here, you'll be safe, I can lock the door. And you know, it's you... lit with these nice lights. Lights. You know. And he's yep. walking leisurely down this trail, looking behind him, and the guy the guy is watching security cameras, you know, and he says, he's, he's coming, he's coming, you know, you better hurry. And the guy turns around and is walking leisurely down the trail, and then he says, he's... You know, he, he broke the window, and the lights, and it, it, it's getting panicky. And the guy is just walking towards the other building. But then he starts jogging. And then right? he starts jogging. And then literally 15 yards later, he you know he trips, he's panting. Yeah. He said, this guy is so fucking out of shape. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, he falls down on the ground. Well, that he's was like, realistic, oh. I thought. <laughs> <laughs> But, but no, you would be like if that if somebody's saying that into your walk, you know, into your yeah. ear, like there's a you're mad, just running the whole you're, time. You don't care. Yeah, yeah. you'll you'll pass out later. You know? yeah. yeah. Well, wonder part of it's because technically he's done it before and it's him and he knows what the person's doing behind him that that, that guy's also taking his time. Didn't know him though. That was the first. Technically, guy. he did. The, like that's the part that's hard yeah. to wrap my head around with the time travels. Yeah. The movie starts. You think it's just starting, but technically you already have our first travel back in time moment yeah, because, because he's seeing it happen. Right. Um, so yeah, so already, did, he, yeah. where he was Hector number one? Uh, when was that story? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it, yeah. So that it kind of falls apart as far as logic. And I thought the the nudity was completely gratuitous, yeah, unnecessary, yeah, and I didn't quite know why. why. Well, yeah, why that? take off your take off your yeah. shirt? Take off your why? Yeah, what was that about? I don't know. Just so you could have a naked woman in your movie. That's what I thought. It just sort of was like she didn't. She also didn't need to die. There didn't need to be. Well, a, she did because he hit her, and he would. Face a trial and get arrested. So he was trying yeah. to fix. So I feel like that he's, was what he was trying to. Fix. You know, you hear a lot of times about people staging a crime scene to make it look like like a stranger did it or a serial killer did it or like it's like you know like a other crime being committed. Like 
she wasn't hit by a car. She was actually attacked and raped. And he would never, he's not a rapist. He would never do that. Or he's not a, a serial killer. So I think part of it was sort of a cover up of the original accident. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> not super clear. Yeah. But at the same time, I love, it was pretty ambitious. And I love time travel movies that kind of feel like they're tying your head in knots. And like, what would you do? Like, if you knew this event was going to happen, you did something bad. Like, I feel that like my first inclination would be go back and just slash the tire so I don't even drive the car and just kill it. But at the same time, now you have two Hectors in your reality. What are you going to do? <laughs> I but, don't you, know. but you have to remember, there has to be a first time that this happens. Yes. So, yeah. but, that, but that's not addressed in this movie because it's not like he just happened to walk in and fall into a time machine and then it starts. No, but he the, sees himself. The only reason she's laying there naked is because he was trying to recreate something he had seen in his binoculars yeah. and told her to take her clothes off in this certain way. And that that's one of those cycling things, like where did the whole take your clothes off thing come from in the first place? It's like, I always go back to this um, movie Somewhere in Time, the Christopher Reeve mm-hmm. yeah. movie with James Seymour. That that's a good movie. There's a... I lo- there's a concept in there that I've always loved. I always try to think this through. It's a great time travel movie too, by the way. Mm-hmm. But he he um, falls in love with a photograph of a woman from a long time ago, and he meets her as an old woman. And I believe she gives him a watch as a gift. And then he is so in love with her that he time travels back to the 1800s or whatever it is, and he ends up giving her the watch as a gift which she then carries with her until she becomes an old woman because he disappears, right? Because he fails with his time travel thing. So she grows into an old woman pining the whole time for this young man that she met, and she carries this watch with her. And then when she meets him again as an old woman and he's still young, she gives him the watch as a gift. And then he goes back in time and meets her as a young... You know what I mean? Yeah. So the, the weird part of that is where did the watch come from? Yeah. You know, what where is the factory that made that watch? How did it enter that loop? It yeah. never enters the loop. Right. It's always in a loop. And that was the whole take off your clothes thing in time or time crimes. There there was no origin to the idea of why she had to take her clothes off. Again, I think it was part of the him trying to cover up his crime of hitting her. I mean, uh, cuz what we're seeing is what he did. Like he he hit her, he tried to I think recreate like make it look like another kind of crime, and then he finds a time machine, and then he goes back and sees it happen again. Yeah, maybe so. I but I, I mean, yeah. I'm feeling we're seeing the first crime happen over and over again. I think that is the crime. Yeah. But what's happening is he's starting to interfere with the crime. Right. And so now you're having these double. He's Hector's having to recreate her. it. Yeah. Yeah, and by doing that, he's just making it worse. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think <laughs> like the, any person who's it, cheating on his wife. <laughs> In general, in time travel movies, I mean, it's hard because we can always come up with these things. Well, how did this really happen? Yeah. I mean, like Back to the Future, which everybody knows, that has a the great hook there is that he goes back in time, and he's just trying to save his existence, right? Because his his mother is not falling in love with his father; he's falling in love with him. (laughs) Yeah. That's what makes that work. Yeah. Because you can actually just disappear. You know. I mean, if you had to choose Michael J. Fox over. Crispin Glover. Crispin Glover. Who would you pick? Well, they're two different types of folks. Yeah. They are. <laughs> it depends uh, you know. on you. Know. And Crispin Glover was 
relatively normal in Back to the Future. I mean, he wasn't as as far out as he got later. I'm sure Zemeckis Get your damn hands off of her. Yeah, yeah. Zemeckis <laughs> tried to tamp that down as much as possible. Yeah, but he, it shows through. You know, it is still Chris Mingler. Yeah, oh, he's great. He was yeah. so he great. Was so that, good. That one works for a lot of reasons, but yeah. I think that you get that uh, theory pretty. It's pretty easy. Yeah. But when you start doing these multiple things and you know blah blah blah, then it, it's just hard to figure it out. It is. And I do. I did enjoy the movie because it was really you know small. Like in the one location. Yeah. I also like the movies that where somebody tries to fix something in the past and just keeps getting bigger, bigger knots and makes it worse and worse. Yeah. And I like that idea of like every time you try and fix it, you're just compounding the problem over mm-hmm. and over. So by going back and forth, he keeps recreating these horrible, vicious hectors that are like homicidal. Yeah. Well, like you were saying, it's it's kind of a metaphor for lying. Mm-hmm. You know, once you tell a lie, then you have to tell another lie to cover for that lie. And then you have to cover for that lie. So you have to tell another, a third lie. And you're creating this and, alternate life right. around the lie. Yeah, no, uh, that's what makes it all interesting. Yeah. And, the, yeah. and then when they start, like, the phone calls started getting intermixed. All yeah. this, it's, like, pretty smart. I mean, it's, like, yeah. it's interesting. It's, like, well done. I, okay, I, I, this is where that fits oh, in. I definitely had moments. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I would say if you like time travel movies, you might as well watch this one. You know, yeah. I, I yeah. don't... It's, I don't, a qui- it's fast. It yeah. moves along pretty quick, yeah. you know. So um, I see the, the talent in the filmmaking there. I yeah. just had, yes. had some, some things I couldn't get past. Yeah, but, you know, just for just for me, you know, yeah. but um, the, but, you know. that's time crimes. Yeah, time crimes. I, I would I would, I would uh, recommend, recommend it, it to if, to you if you like time travel movies. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'd recommend it to the casual film film goer who just wants to kind of watch an escapist thriller type of thing because you you have to think about it and you have to really understand it's a, pu- it's a puzzle yeah and if you like puzzles then you check it out yeah you know, for sure uh, yeah. but he did he did a couple shorts in uh, some anthology films one was ABC's of Death which was that Ant Timpson anthology oh, yeah, yeah. he did a thing called Apocalypse it was basically about a wife who's slowly killing her husband with poison and he wants to kind of hurry it along. That was an ABC of that? Yes. Okay. And then he also did um, an episode in uh, VHS called Viral. Mm. And uh, he was he has an episode in that. So there's some good, solid short work in the yeah. middle of all this. And yeah. then he also did Colossal. Let's play the trailer for Colossal. You don't remember anything last night, huh? I got really melodramatic, didn't I? You told me that you weren't really on a vacation. That you've been looking for a job for a year and your boyfriend didn't work out? You are out of control. What? I've packed two things. They're in the bedroom. What? And since you didn't have any money, you decided to move back here. Is there anything else? Don't remember anything. Unprecedented nature of this you get that tangle. You know you're watching something that's going to change the course of history. You all right? Yeah. Uh, it's this nervous tick I have. I get this itch. Oh my god. They appeared. Same place. Exact same time. But it just made a bunch of weird hand gestures. You got something. It's dancing. It's dancing like. <laughs> Holy shit. Ow! What was that? What was that? A helicopter. With, the, with like the pilot and everything? I feel terrible. It's 
been a good show. Keep it cool. Oh my god, those people are looking at us. She's the monster. Okay. All right. Sounds well, like an interesting movie. <laughs> good cast. We have Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway. And the actor who um, played Matthew on Downton Abbey. Downton Abbey. I know. It was good to see him. Yeah. Even and though he played a total jackass. Yeah. <laughs> but he's, he, looks, he looks younger now. It's weird. He yeah, looked, he did look young. It, it was weird. It was like, did he do this movie before Downton Abbey? And it's like, no, this is after Downton Abbey. Yeah. Or during it. Or right? maybe yeah. during it. I don't know. Isn't Dan Stevens? Yeah. Yeah, Dan Stevens. Yeah. And then uh, Tim Blake Nelson, who I always like. Yeah, he's, he's always great in good it. in the Always you know. good. And uh, Jason Sudeikis. Yep. He was... No, that was funny. Uh, you instantly like Jason Sudeikis. I mean, you see him and you're like, oh, he seems like a really nice guy. Yeah, he's I'm a good really influence. Glad. He'll be good for her. So yeah. the, the main conceit is she's a total party girl and she's out all night partying with friends, obviously cheating on Dan Stevens left and right, and he's finally sick of it. So the movie opens with her finally coming, dragging her ass in from... A night out, and he's already mad, and he's like, "Where have you been?" And she makes up this really unbelievable, not believable at all story, yeah. and he finally goes, "That's it, I'm out," and he leaves her, and he says, "You need to leave the apartment." He walks out; she has to leave. It's his apartment, really nice apartment. <laughs> so, so she basically, because she really has nowhere else to go, she moves back to her family home that I guess was left to her that she just didn't want to live there because it's a small neighborhood in her original town, right? And uh, and maybe she has bad memories from that yeah. time of her life. Yeah, probably, you know, she's obviously got some damage that she's running away from, you know. And uh, she runs into an old school pal, Jason Sudeikis. Sudeikis? Sudeikis. Sudeikis. From Um, SNL. And and so, explain what happens from there. Because he owns a a bar, and she is clearly a troubled alcoholic. And he says, well, you can work at my bar. So she gets a job at the bar, and then she's drinking, you know. She's there, surrounded by alcohol. And she's hanging out with these guys that are drinking, and they just sort of sit at the bar and drink. And then on her way home from work at night, she's usually just drunk, and she manages to kind of fall asleep every night on this park bench near a playground. And she walks through this playground, and she has a little habit that she scratches the top of her head. But anyway... Suddenly, there's this big news from South Korea, from Seoul, South Korea, that a giant monster has been spotted walking down the street in Seoul and tearing buildings down. It's like a big Godzilla kind of a monster. And she watches it, and it kind of, she watches the footage, and everybody, she does a really great job of being shocked by the footage, because what would you do if you saw that on the news? Yeah. It'd be shocking. A monster. But she does a really, I think her reactions are like, you know, how would you react to seeing that? She, she to me she, acted realistically, where everyone else acted how someone in a movie would act about it. Right? You know? Yeah, she's really good. But yeah. anyway, she notices something. The monster scratches the top of its head, you know, and she doesn't really think too much about it. But then the next night, she's on her way home from all night drinking with the guys, and she does something else while she's walking across this parking across this uh, playground, and she notices that the monster did the same movements. So then she eventually realizes, and here we get into some spoilery stuff. So I recommend this movie, first of all. I think this is where you got it. It's really fun. It's a little scary. It's a little dark, but it's got some funny stuff in it. It's got some weird stuff. The weird stuff is deeply weird until you know what it is. And it it makes sense. There's an explanation. But um, 
she starts realizing that she is controlling the monster. Her movements match the monster's movements as she walks across this one particular place at a particular time. And so she starts, you know, testing it. You know, she holds her hand up and then she holds her other hand up and the monster does the same thing. And then she starts telling her friends and they don't believe her. So she proves it to them. She's like, does this dance and the monster dances. And so all of her friends are, you know, rightfully freaking out. And then eventually um, her friend who owns the bar, who she knew as a kid, steps in to where she is on the playground, and suddenly there's a giant robot in South Korea. And so the, this is, it's, it's hard to explain this movie without explaining the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's the premise of it. And then you gradually find out at the end of the movie what is happening. Right, yeah. And it's a really interesting metaphor to somebody who's an alcoholic mm-hmm. and who is so destructive yeah. without realizing it. You right. know, it's almost like when you're drunk, you're not yourself. Yeah, you're right. this giant monster that's stumbling around, tearing things up, yeah. and you're not even aware of it, you know? And I thought that was a pretty interesting metaphor. Yeah. And she's hurting people unintentionally. She's people. And it really bothers her later when she realizes she accidentally knocked a helicopter out of the sky and killed the pilot. Right. Then she's devastated. Like, right. oh my God, this has got to stop. Like, it's not funny anymore. There are real repercussions to her actions, which yeah. is something she's never really accounted for in her right. whole life, including her relationship. But what a great metaphor for like a drunk great. driving yes. um, accident, you know, or yeah. something like that, yeah. where she's like, you know, and, and at the time she does the, her little walk across the playground, she's usually drunk. Right. So she's yeah. like losing her balance and the monster's losing its balance and she falls into a building and she falls over at one point and destroys a building. And, yeah. and she's just de- devastated. She's like, how many people did I kill? And, and so me, Jason Sudeikis is like being the supportive guy think, yeah, like, helping her because you know they've known each other since they were kids right. he and, like brings her furniture for her empty house yeah. and you can he, tell like, that she he's interested he's definitely in her. sweet on her yeah but she this is the part where i felt like it was kind of she i mean it's part of her being kind of clueless but right. that she had like her eye on his one of his buddies right and just in a really i feel like really unself-aware hurtful way and by not acknowledging the kindness of her friend and and knowing what was happening because he's spending all this time with her and bringing her stuff that she would just sort of like blow it off, but like she's feelings didn't matter, but right? Her. But that's her character. Yeah. Yes. But at the same time, so you're feeling bad for Jason Sudeikis. Will you find out later? He's such a nice guy. Yeah. Right. And he has problems, Big problems. With drinking, and he gets really yeah. drunk, and, and he's really, a hoarder. And he, yeah, a hoarder, and he's super mean, he's and really vindictive and controlling, and yeah. he's he's he turns out to be pretty nasty, and they get into some disputes, and some of these disputes are kind of acted out by these two characters. Mm-hmm. He he is. He's controlling the giant robot, and she's controlling the giant monster, and they actually get into some slap fights, you know. And, of course, everybody is watching on their computers whenever the monsters show up in South Korea, these unexplained creatures that show up. And there's a part where one of them, you know, where she is slapping him, and and everybody's cheering. So people are picking sides, you know, and they're picking her side, because this robot is being abusive. You know, the robot is shoving her around, and so she slaps him, and they hear in the neighborhood, they hear all these people in the houses cheering (laughs) because they're all watching the robots in South Korea without realizing that the people who are controlling them are right outside in that 
dumb playground next yeah. door. And they make, make mention to like, you know, when that playground was built, it was built over some sort of uh, yeah. burial ground of right. some sort, you know, so that was sort of the, the explanation, you know. But the explanation is yeah. interesting. You know, this is a total spoiler. Watch yeah. the movie. Try to watch the movie without knowing yeah. what is coming up. But I think everything we've said so far is, is kind of what you can tell by the poster. Right. Oh. But, um, and, and by the trailer, but, the explanation of it. If should we spoil it and no, just talk a, about it? We'll let it. We'll let okay, because it it's kind of new. A lot of people haven't seen it, so I think yeah. it's worth letting that one. And, and the effects are really fun yeah. and good, and uh, acting is good. I think Darwin <laughs> liked it. Anne Hathaway <laughs> is really good in pretty much everything. Yeah, yeah. I have to say she's a really and she can good. do anything. She can do any type of character. Yeah, you know, like also, strong or weak. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to point out too. This movie was made by Legion M. Which mm. is that company that's uh, like basically crowdsourced by fans? Like right. they're they're sort of presenting themselves as a film company made by fans, right? Yeah. And I actually gave them some money, so <laughs> I am part of Legion M. Did you get your name in the credits? I I, I got I, my name is in credits somewhere because they have like I think really? Mandy had um, where they listed a bunch of like the people who gave money to Legion M in the oh. credits. Somewhere it's listed, and also on their website, you send them a photo, and you can be part of a big grid of investors on their website. They have a cool little thing, so you don't even have to give them a ton of money, but it's fun just to be part of it. It is, you know. That's they great. did Mandy also, in case anyone's wondering. That's why this I have a, my my great Mandy shirt, which yeah. I, you know they didn't give me; I paid for it. But <laughs> <laughs> I do love that. So it's a pretty promising company so far. I mean, they're actually putting out some good stuff. Colossal so. and Mandy, yeah, those are two those for are two. two. Yeah, it's good to invest in those things too. The to you know, p- play a part in the production of something. I, I actually did that with a movie as a documentary about the residents, this band that I really love is a musical group, kind of weird to call them a band, but <laughs> they've been around for a long time. And there was a documentary about them called the theory of obscurity that, um, came out a while back and, yeah. and my name's in the credits. No kidding. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's so cool. I'm a best boy in a movie. Yeah. No, I'm not. <laughs> You're not. <laughs> That's my dream. Best You're boy. not a boy. You're I'm the a, best man. I'm the best boy. <laughs> so then another high-profile film that Nacho's worked on is Puka, which was one of the Into the Dark um, Blumhouse uh, films that are is on Hulu, which I think is such a great idea. If anyone hasn't heard of Into the Dark, it's um, a series of films where they put out a film once a month, and it always has to do with the holiday during the month. It has a theme. So they have a, they must have like 14, 12 films. Yeah, they're, I think. Run, they're running out of holidays. Yeah, they'll Ar- find some. Arbor Day. Is and they repeat them. Yeah. You know, they, yeah. they did two sure. Christmas ones. Like right. they just released a new Christmas one, and um, Puka was last year. Yeah. But it was a really, really strong Into the Dark episode, I thought. And it was very strange too. Very I mean, strange. That, that, out of all, that, to me, that's the, 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 the strangest of them all, without question. <laughs> And the basic story is about uh, Puka is a a toy, uh, you know, a doll basically that is this, the sensation this particular Christmas. And just weird looking sort of yeah, it's kind of you know, odd looking sort of creature. Gremlins, kind of Ewok, but made in a really bad way, right. which is Real kind awkward. of interesting because that's the way it is sometimes. Yeah. Like the things that become. That become hot in Christmas. Remember how ugly Cabbage Patch dolls were? Sure. And the what was it called? It looked like a little gremlin, like a a talking thing that was really hot one year. That looked like the like a gremlin toy. Yeah. It also looks like kind of like you know when you have those big popular toys, and then there's the third party illegal right. versions. Yeah, it like looks like that. Yeah, yeah, it looks like a bootleg version, <laughs> like a toy that was good once, but it it really catches on. 
Yes. And so they have to hire an actor or some uh, somebody to actually dress up in that suit and be and do events, you know, yeah. and, and like be as a mascot, be Puka. full yeah. size. So they hire this guy who's had, you know, the actor is, um, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Nyasha Hatende, Hatendai. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, great. And yeah. so good. So it's really cool to see him doing it. And he, so he has to go through this kind of elaborate sort of auditioning process <laughs> crazy where they make him stand or like, put your arms to the side, put your arms in the air, put your arms down, turn around, turn around. And, they, and it, he's like, this isn't acting. What is this? And then they realize he's basically just being fitted for the costume. Right. <laughs> like yeah. sure he fits in it. So that's, I mean, he was all like, oh, I'm, I'm an actor and they want me because I'm so talented. Well, you know, maybe not, but. Sort of so, a Johnny Bravo moment. Right. So he becomes Puka. Yeah, and uh, you know, he and then they open up this sort of like pop up store that the sells out of the toys, you know, in minutes, and he's sort of doing his thing, and then, but something weird starts happening when he's in the suit. <laughs> he starts acting uh, like stuff. Reality starts to change for him in the suit. Like just he starts hallucinating, saying things, and Puka starts becoming a killer. Yeah, it's like, almost like his dark side, like yeah. a Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And you're not, yeah. but but he again. It's, it's, I think that this director likes to play with kind of unreliable narrators because you end up inside somebody's head who maybe isn't seeing things for what they are, but you're taking them for you know their word in a way or right. what they're seeing. Yeah. So when he's seeing Puka, he sees Puka doing all this stuff, and yeah. then you're wondering, is he seeing it? Is it happening? Is he in the costume when right. it's happening? Like what? So there's a sort of weird unreality to it. It is a very disorienting as far as the viewpoint from, you know, what you're watching. But I thought it was really like gripping and interesting and just really cinematic. Out of all the three films, I think that's the most cinematic of the three as far as just like the, the visuals and what's going on. And also, I think, I wonder if it's sort of trying to sort of get into the head. Like, you know, some actors, you know, they're playing a character and they almost become too much the character. Right. And you think, can you lose yourself in a character? Is this what's happening to this actor? Is he losing himself into the puka, mm-hmm. you know, realm and then and tapping into something that's in that character that's more of him, like his malevolent side than, than right. not? And then kind of excusing it in a way by using it the costume as his way in. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty interesting. In a way, it re- sounds like it relates to Colossal a bit, where she's yeah. inhabiting this That's right. this creature that she's not doesn't really realize the power of or yeah, the destructiveness of it. And he's also yeah. doing the same moves that she was doing with all that's the. That's right. Yeah. yeah, it was all the same I stuff. If that's a call oh. out. I think it was a bit of a. Call, out, I think it was a bit of a call. Up. Do this. Do this. Do that's this. Right. I didn't head. even think yeah, of that. So it was like a little take back. Yeah. So. So I appreciate that film very much. And that's yes. one you can see on Hulu right now. Watch still streaming. it. It's really fun. It'd be good to watch it this time of year because it's got a Christmas theme. Yeah. Well, I think his film, those three, and he's done a lot more, but we'll just talk about yeah. these three. You definitely see the progression over the last 11 years from low budget to, you know, whatever, medium budget films. Uh, but he's, I think he's a director that's going to keep growing and making more interesting yeah. things yeah. and uh, more visually compelling things too, you know. And conceptually compelling. One thing that when I started watching Colossal, one movie that came to my mind was being John Malkovich. You know, a lot of people were kind of comparing it to that, or a few people. Um, The idea of something that seems really absurd. Like, remember when being John Malkovich came out, I was was thinking, wow, this is a a film like unlike anything I've ever seen. The idea is so bizarre, so out there. And it was so filled with these really unusual ideas that didn't really get explained. They didn't get a big, well, how come at the yeah, end? You right, know, right. why do we, you go into John Malkovich? It was, seemed like 
it's I love that movie, but it didn't have a resolution that that gave you anything more than just this great concept. You got this great premise and a funny concept, and then it it plays out on that, and then it goes away. Right. But in Colossal, you get this you get a similarly bizarre concept. Like how weird is it that you are somehow controlling a monster in South Korea just by walking across a, a particular parking or you know playground but there's a, there's an answer mm-hmm. and yeah. it's a very satisfying answer and and it's got a very satisfying ending too yes it does, <laughs> yes, it does. yeah yeah but, so it's yeah. a full movie you know it's like a, you can watch it you get your weird concept you get your what the hell is happening in this movie kind of feeling but then you also get a you get an ending where you're like that was cool, yeah, you know? and a lot of emotion. Like it isn't yeah. just a stunt or goofy. Like you really care about the characters. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was very complicated. You know the characters. That's the yeah. thing too. You don't really necessarily love any of them. I mean, she is a she, like you were saying. Her choices are so bad, so bad. But you know people like that. Oh, I mean, you know people that pick mm-hmm. the wrong. If there's a group of guys that she's hanging out with, she's gonna pick the worst one. And we've all been there where we've done the things, <laughs> you know, the dumb things, and we, you know. Everybody has their, the, like, the thing is, she's supposed to learn that right. she <laughs> actions like that have repercussions. That's something we all learn eventually, hopefully. Yeah. If, as you become an adult, most of us figure it out and go, okay, I'm not going to do that stupid shit anymore. Whether right. it's drinking too much or whatever disaster you're inflicting on other people. And if you're smart, you get out of that. And yeah. I think that's sort of like, in a way, it showed in a very cinematic, cool way how difficult that is and how, how much you know power it takes to actually transcend it. Yeah. So I like that they put all that power into like these monsters. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's yeah. really, really And she cool. keeps going back to that playground mm-hmm. and she keeps going, yeah. you know, breaking buildings in, yeah. in Seoul, Korea, you know, South Korea. And Oopsie, I killed more people. Yeah. It's also and, part going back home to your hometown. Yeah. You're, yeah. Like, you're going, Facing and, something there. Yeah. And also just meeting some people from when you were a kid and just that, that we all, you know, if you've ever gone back to your hometown, if you've moved away and if you've gone yeah. back, you get that feeling, oh, I'm back here yeah and it's not necessarily it could be a great you know a great yeah. memory it also oh, yeah. could be like one of these like oh gosh and yeah. here we are mm-hmm. and yeah, sometimes you fall it, into you know fall into some habits because you just go right. back to your hometown you know? yeah. yeah yeah and then in some ways you feel like it, you, if you have to go back to your hometown that means you failed right exactly right. and she you, was sort of like stuck living at her mo- folks house his empty house and yeah. doesn't have a job. like a blow up mattress yeah right the, yeah it deflates every time she yeah. used, every oh, time she wakes up she I, hurts i yeah. so know that I, oh, yeah. I i did that in new york city oh. i lived one like every night i had to blow up the mattress and i didn't have a you know i didn't have a, a, a little you motor. Had to use lungs yeah yeah <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> lightheaded go to sleep yeah you know <laughs> But she was great as this character. You know, you've known those people who who just you know led around by their addictions, and they just lie, and they lie really well. And because I think they're lying to themselves, they almost want to make themselves believe what they're saying. Yeah, but you have just to just to get through another day. Just let me go. Let me do this one time, and I'm going to be okay. I'm going to change. I'm going to get better. And her relationship with her ex-boyfriend who who at one point in the film comes back into her life and there's a scene you know at the, in retrospect at the end of the film after you find out what the her her friend who owns the bar when you find out what kind of a person he is it kind of makes more sense but in the context of the film and when it's happening when her boyfriend comes back into town there's that scene in the bar where he lights the fireworks yeah, yeah. that was like an endless that was the only part of the film that I thought was out of place. It just went on and on. And you just, 
it's if someone you know if I was the if I was her ex boyfriend I wouldn't I would have said let's get out of here this guy is crazy yeah. I would he just kind of sat there and listened to this ranting tirade and watched him light this giant firework in the middle of his bar before they said oh I think we better get out of here. it's like no you should have gotten out of here five minutes ago when he started his dialogue I think it's like I think in that situation I could kind of see it being like he's not really going to do this it's not really going to happen the thing doesn't work like, I think there's sort of a denial like he wouldn't blow up his own bar. You know, so you, you think if I was, leave, it might set off something worse. You think maybe he won't do it. But if the I way s- he was talking to him. Oh, yeah, know, he was awful. He, but he, I thought he was intimidated by him. I he was, was definitely. Like, like, I, you know, I, I, yeah. I don't want to leave because maybe like, you know, mm. in the previous scene, when somebody tried to leave, he was, you know, throwing tables and stuff yeah. and like, right. that kind of stuff. So, but it's a really, I think uh, Nacho Vigalando is a is obviously yeah. a director to watch. Yeah. And he's got plenty of other things, you know, sp- uh, Spanish language uh, TV stuff that's probably out there somewhere. Yeah. But these are the ones that you can really... Keep an eye really, on this guy. Like I watch Time Crimes on Tubi. Ah, T- okay. Do you know that? Do you know that the streaming yeah, service? Tubi. Yeah. Like sometimes Pops go, up a lot. Yeah, and it's free. I mean, okay. you, you have to sit through some commercial breaks, but they're usually quick, 30 seconds, they pop them right yeah. in. <laughs> but uh, like, okay, I'll watch it on Tubi. <laughs> There's all well, these uh, streaming services, Pluto. Yeah. I go, what is this? And how do they survive? There's so, already it's, there's too many. Yeah. yeah. And you can go on there and actually watch like, you know, like cable channels and stuff for Craziness. free. It's w- so weird. You uh, know? So crazy. But yeah, this is definitely a director to keep your eye on. Yeah. yeah. And, and Tammy, thank you for sending that, Thanks, uh, Tammy. that uh, listener mail in. And um, I hope that uh, you enjoyed this. And we'll talk more Stephen King too. Yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll give you some more Stephen King. Don't worry. And yeah, anyone else who's who's within earshot of this episode, think of stuff that you want to talk about with us, you know, because we we try to make the podcast sort of like you're sitting here with us. We're making it for you guys. Yeah, like you can, you're sort of sitting here with us chatting about your movie, you know, mm-hmm. movies that you like and all that stuff. So tell us what you like and uh, you know what? We'll probably like it too. Yeah. If you're listening to us, you're probably one of us. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for listening. Again, the filmmaker that we're talking about today, Nacho Vigalando. And look for us on social media because we love to interact with you guys. We're on Twitter at Cinemondo Pod. We're on Instagram, Cinemondo Podcast. We're on Facebook, Cinemondo Podcast. Um, we have a website, cinemondopodcast.com. You can pretty much find us everywhere. So, you know, please write to us. Please tweet to us. You know, do whatever you need to do, but make sure you, you let we, us know what you're thinking. And we have a Patreon page, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. That's right. And you can be a member. Yeah, and there's all kinds of swag, too. Part of the cool get kids t-shirts club. and uh, right. culottes. All kinds of cool culottes. <laughs> no promising we can deliver. You can get a helicopter. No culottes. We sold that's, out of those. That's my dream. <laughs> Cinemondo Coolot. You can get a real <laughs> functioning submarine. <laughs> oh boy. Lawsuits. We're making we're making promises that we can't. No, we don't have those. But on. you can get a keychain or something. Yeah. It's yeah. just as much, just as good. But definitely send us emails, any of those, you know, Facebook, whatever, yeah. you know, uh, like Twitter, Instagram. Let us, you know, send us a message. Yeah. And say we'll, hi. We'll like we'll us. Definitely read it. Okay. Like us. Okay. Thank y'all. Bye. All right. We're walking out the door. Cinemondo signing off.